It's time for episode 38 of the Clockwise Podcast for your pals at IDG, recorded May 21st, 2014. Clockwise, four guests, four tech topics, 30 minutes. Welcome back to Clockwise, the podcast that's never going to give you up, never going to let you down, and never going to run around and desert you. I am your co-host, Dan Morin, and I am joined with my co-host, Jason Snell. We're no strangers to love, Dan. It's true. That's all, that's all I got. Would you like me to do yeah. more Rick Astley, or would you like no, to No, I on? actually, that's maybe all I really remember from the song. Anyway, right. sitting to my right is senior writer Brad Charcos from PC World. Hey, Brad, welcome back. Hey, how's it going? All I got are Toto songs, so I'm not even going to try. <laughs> Can you give us a little bit of Africa? Just a little bit. <laughs> and sitting to my right is Macworld's own Serenity Caldwell. Hello. Hello. Thank you for visiting our podcast. I'm, I'm happy to be here. All right, so since I am your delightful and all-powerful leader, I will go first today, and we'll talk about the Worldwide Developers Conference, which is coming up, Apple's Worldwide Developer Conference, not to be confused with the many other Worldwide Developer Conferences. (laughs) So many. Um, Coming up as of about 10 days from now. Um, So this morning, they released an update to their WWC app, which sort of laid out some schedule stuff. There are a lot of (laughs) sort of... Uh, TBD sessions in there with cute names like Top Secret. Um, So it's still kind of up in the air what exactly we're going to see there. I would love to hear from you guys what you would like to see Apple announce at WWDC this year. Brad, we'll start with you because I know that you closely follow all things Apple and just it's it's a passion (laughs) of yours, I know. I... I'm interested to see whether they do or do not introduce, you know, Beats Music and Dr. Dre and all that, you know, the big hubbub that's been around, you know, the past couple of weeks. Uh, You know, I'm looking forward to seeing what's new. Uh, In some ways, this is Apple's chance to signal whether it's going to be changing its direction or continuing down the path it's been on. Uh, Because the operating systems get announced here and we fully expect that we'll get a new version of OS X and a new version of iOS, that'll tell us a little bit about are those, you know, they were coming together, and then with the new you know, change in leadership with Johnny Ive and all of that and Scott Forstall leaving, there's a question about whether they aren't coming together anymore. So where does the Mac go? Where do, Is the Mac going to be more like iOS, stay sort of in the steady state of what it is, or is it going to become something different? And And the same is true for iOS. What are these devices going to be used for? What does Apple think they'll be used for? Uh, What's the iPad's role? Is it going to be more like something like what Microsoft is doing with the Surface, where it's, it's it's more complex than what we think of as a tablet, and it's more like a PC? Or is it going to be sort of what we think of the iPad now and not add complexity? That's a real question for iOS 8. So I, I'm... I think this is a great way. This is one of the few times when Apple tells us things that are happening way down the road, you know, even if it's just three months, because they've got to get the developers into the new betas of the software. And so as a result, we're going to get to see a little bit of, you know, Apple's cards for the next few months and really for the next year in terms of their operating system. So that's what I'm looking for is what, how are they going to set the tone? What, how do they define the roles of the Mac and iOS and how they fit together? And I think we'll get a good sense of that at the developer conference. Uh, well, I I really am hoping to uh, to see a couple of across the board uh, stability improvements in iOS eight. I think that iOS seven kind of went in and shook up the uh, the board a little bit, and um, I just I can't see Apple making another huge uh, huge seismic shift in terms of uh, 
files like how how the as much as I'd like to see a new uh, a new home screen, I I think it's rather unlikely that we're actually going to see Apple be like, yes, we're going to redesign that as well with iOS eight. So I, I'm I'm kind of hoping that with iOS eight they take sort of a step back and like, all right, let's uh, let's shore up all of the things that we kind of threw on the board. Uh, I'm looking forward also to see what they do with uh, with 1010 and what place name they're going to use. Uh, I know there have been a bunch of different rumors, um, and how just how how much like iOS is the Mac going to uh, going to appear? Is it just going to take sort of the flat look that we've come to expect from iOS seven apps? Um, are we going to see more integrations with apps? I'm I'm really curious. Uh, this MacBook uh, Retina Air rumor that's been going around also has me kind of intrigued. Although the idea that the uh, the 11 inch Air will never get a Retina display makes me a little bit sad that it'll only be like a 12 inch model because I really like my 11 inch and I know the 12 inches really isn't that much of a difference, but the extra I don't know the extra inch makes me makes me feel a little a little sad. I like I like 11 inches. It's nice and small. But I uh, I'm I'm looking forward to it. I think people who are hoping for an iWatch are going to be disappointed. And I and I find it really interesting uh, the amount of so all of these the the amount of sessions that are TBD or we can't really tell you this yet. Um, is not unusual for for Apple, but I th- do think that it's interesting uh, that each of them is categorized. And so you've got quite a few frameworks TBDs, but you also have got some tools TBDs and some media TBD and some games TBD. So uh, it's kind of teasers as to maybe what kind of uh, developer goodies Apple has in store. Yeah, there's certainly a lot to look forward to going down the road here. Um, I agree that iOS 8 and OS 10 10.10, OS 10 10.10, which is going to be super fun to say. I love 10.10. Uh, 10. I love that little 10, dog 10. and yeah, kid yeah. and the, yeah. Oh, man, OS 10 Snowy. That's my favorite. Um, I think that's where, you know, where all the action is going to be this time around. Um, there's, I think, you know, to Ren's point about iOS 8 sort of, you know, solidifying stuff in iOS 7, I feel like iOS 7 in some ways was like iOS 1 take 2, right? It sort of started reset the numbering. So now we're going to see like, now that we've got sort of the base established, is Apple going to spend some time building out and like codifying all the stuff that it did in iOS 7? Um, and there are some places where, you know, it definitely needs some work. Maps, there's a lot of discussion about that. Um, you know, two years ago, they released their own maps uh, service as opposed to Google Maps, and it needs a lot of work still, and they didn't really do anything with it last year. So I think that's one area of intense interest, and I think there are several others. So I I think software is definitely the most important thing that they're going to talk about, Um, but with Apple, software often tends to sort of lead the hardware, Uh, and especially these days, I think the hardware sort of, you know, provides a good platform, but we all kind of feel like we know where those, where the progression is going faster, computers, you know, phones with bigger screens, et cetera. It's the software capabilities that make it really interesting. So I'm sure we will all be looking forward closely to that. And that is my topic. Brad, what would you like to talk about this week? That's actually a pretty decent segue into what I'd like to talk about. Um, The Surface 3, Surface Pro 3, pardon me, which was announced yesterday by Microsoft. Um... It's the latest edition of their Surface Pro line tablet. Um, it's big. It's 12 inches. It has a big, huge screen. It's uh, more of a laptop replacement than a, a pure tablet. Um, and that's how they positioned it the, the entire time. 
there it's impossibly thin. They positioned it. They kept comparing it to the iPad Air and the MacBook. It measures in, you know, just a little bit thicker than the uh, iPad Air without its touch cover, uh, and but far thinner than the MacBook Air. And they're positioning this as a device that makes it so you don't have to carry a laptop and a tablet. This could be both. This could be, you know, the one device that you need for everything. And it marries a lot of different things. It marries uh, Microsoft's cloud endeavors uh, via some deep OneNote integration that uh, comes from a stylus that they include because they're hoping uh, they're positioning it as a notepad replacement as well. So you could just pick it up, click a button on your pen, and start writing. Um, it's a pretty interesting device. It's a pretty impressive technical specimen um, as far as I'm concerned. The fact that... Uh, they have such a very, very thin device, and they fit f- up to full f- Core i7 processors in it. I was just wondering uh, what you guys think of the Surface Pro 3, and do you think that it'll be more successful than the other Surface tablets that have come out so far, which haven't flopped per se, but they haven't made any money for Microsoft either. So just wondering what you guys have to think about so that. So I've got some questions for you. Maybe we'll turn the tables and we'll ask you questions about this. I, I, cause you were there, you, 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 you've been paying attention to this, you know, you know, this stuff, this is your stuff. Um, so with keyboard, talk to me about the keyboard a little bit. One of the problems I always had with the surface is that it wasn't really a laptop. It was like a, a tablet or a thing you put, could put on a table with that kickstand. But you know, is the, is the keyboard changed and is it easier to use it in your lap than it used to be? Cause that was one of the big ergonomic problems I had with the first uh, two surface models. Yeah, definitely. That was a huge problem with the first two surface models, surface pro surface RT and their, you know, successors. Uh, they spent a lot of time, um, improving both the kickstand on the device as well as the, the type cover that it ships with, the accessory that you're talking about. Um, whereas before, the first generation Surface only had uh, the kickstand could only lock into one position. So it worked good if you were sitting on a table, but that's about it. And the table had to be the right height. The second Surface had a couple of different positions, so you could, you know, recline it a little bit more. But it was still just two positions you could lock it at. This new Surface Pro 3, it locks into that 22 degree angle that uh, has long been the Surface, you know, that's our kickstand angle. But you can also push it down to a full 150 degrees, and they call it uh, full friction technology. So you can push it down and lock it in at any point between 22 and 150 degrees. So it's much more flexible in that way. And they had to redesign the uh, Surface Pro 3 type cover to go with it because they need to accommodate the fact that rather than just one or two angles, they can do all these different angles now. Uh, So the... uh, New type cover not only is bigger, one to fit the screen size, but also has like a little flap at the end that magnetically seals itself to the edge of the screen. And it bends as you move the kickstand and the tablet back and forth because it's adjustable now. So now it's you can position it wherever you want on your lap, basically. Um, all right. We'll continue question time because I, I've read a little bit about the Surface um, but I know in the past the Surface had a, the original Surface had a had an external styluses you could buy for it, right? And then this one has one built in. Is that correct? Um, well, the Surface Pro has always shipped with a stylus. With the, yeah, it's and it's Wacom yeah. technology based. It was before the new Surface Pro Three has it switched to Entrig for its stylus. Interesting. Okay. Yeah. And the cool thing about this stylus is that, as I hinted at, uh, you know, previously. Uh, 
It's deeply integrated with OneNote. They want you to be able to use the tablet like as you would a piece of paper. So one really cool trick that they did is when you pick up the stylus, even if your Surface is off, you can just click a button on the top and the Surface will turn on and open up a new OneNote page and you can just start, you know, jotting down notes, whatever comes to mind. I'm curious, you know, obviously the hardware looks pretty interesting and I think a lot of people were interested in the Surface hardware the first time around, but my question remains, you know, what about the software and the experience of using a device that is not quite a tablet and not quite white or pc is windows 8 i mean i think that was a big question with last time was the windows version that shipped with the surface you know didn't quite do a good job of committing in one direction or the other are there improvements to the software that make us more like optimistic about how the surface 3 will fare um well i don't think the original version of windows 8 was as bad as everybody says it was but it definitely wasn't good uh Um, However, since then, they've released two major updates for the uh, operating system called Windows 8.1 Update and Windows 8.1 Update, oddly enough. Um, Uh, Microsoft, keep on keeping on. Very specific. Yeah, right. And the most recent one that came out earlier this year, uh, the second Windows 8.1 Update, um, it has some really flexible features uh, so that basically if you're using a tablet, it pops up the Metro Start screen and opens modern apps and it treats you like you're using a tablet. Whereas if you're using a PC uh, or a device with a keyboard or whatnot, it'll, uh, you know, boot to the desktop and it'll open up default to uh, desktop apps. Um, One of the cool things about it is, like, it'll put, uh, if you're using the Surface Pro 3 in PC mode and using your, you know, keyboard accessory, it'll put a bar to close apps up at the top, like a traditional menu bar, so you can just drag your mouse, your trackpad up there, and hit X. And that's keyed to how you open the uh, app. So if you open it using your trackpad, it'll realize you're using it as a PC, and it'll put that menu bar up there. But if you use the Surface Pro 3's touchscreen, theoretically, if if you open, you know, a Metro app using the touchscreen, then it'll treat you as you're using a tablet rather than a PC. So... It's a lot more flexible than it used to be. It behaves a lot better than it used to. It definitely sounds more more intelligent about that kind of thing. Yeah, definitely. Well, we'll, definitely. we'll see how it goes. Yeah. All right. Uh, my topic is passwords, and we discovered that eBay today. Uh, we today we discovered eBay has had a huge password problem. Uh, hundreds of thousands, millions of users have to reset their passwords all because they got hacked and they lost their passwords. And it's, I think, conflicting reports about whether the passwords were really even properly encrypted. So bad times. And I don't, you know, my question to all of you is really just one about maybe you guys have some ideas. And I, I wanted to share my frustration with all of you, which is the password thing is a mess that first off, it seems like we can't trust anybody to keep our password secure is the only, is the only option we have to just use computer generated passwords from a password utility at this point. Is that, is that the only option? And are we ever going to get rid of passwords or make them truly secure? Uh, I know that all of us, our corporate network requires us to have a ridiculously complicated password and change it every 90 days uh, in the name of security, which means you can't remember it. You can't make it something that's really memorable because, you're going to have to change it and and it's got to be ridiculously complicated every time. So I'm frustrated about passwords. How about you? And are we ever going to see anything uh, anything that changes here? Serenity, what do you think? I am so frustrated about passwords and I am so frustrated about passwords that I ended up getting one password, which is something I've been pushing, you know, not doing for a while. It seems like we're talking about this every month lately, right? It's one password uh, 
password disaster after another. And unfortunately, um, there's no real no real replacement currently available besides computer-generated passwords and or potentially fingerprint scanners. Um, but we haven't really seen, you know, the scanners being used for heavy password replacement or anything like that. And that becomes very difficult when you're talking about doing so with a desktop computer and figuring out a way for people to securely store that because, hey, if someone accidentally loses the data to your fingerprint, um, that could be really, yeah, that could be really problematic. So, I mean, it it comes back to, you know, passwords are an insecure system, but um, one of the reasons they're an insecure system is that the... The uh, encryption that's being that that is taking care of, you know, keeping those passwords safe is clearly not up to par, and and people are not paying as much attention to it as they really should be. Um, and until until that happens, until we've got you know unbreakable encryption, which I mean, it, it's theoretically possible, right? It's just uh, there are loopholes and there are backdoors, and it's not as secure as it should be. Don't forget uh, we, quantum computers. Right. Well, yeah. yeah. Let's draw a distinction between encryption and security here, right? Because encryption is the algorithm. That's not necessarily what the problem is here. The problem is that the systems that people are running these things on are themselves insecure. Their software has bugs, etc. We all get are using passwords in so many places that if we reuse the same password in a bunch of different places, we open ourselves to attack. And this goes back to the same problem we were talking about in the first place: is your only is your only option using computer generated passwords um, that are so complicated that you then need another piece of software to keep track of them, which doesn't really seem like a solution so much as a workaround. Um, but it does, it is a big question about how we are looking at this idea of authentication going into the next century, because this is becoming more and more of a problem. Um, I think there's some interesting, you know, a lot of places have adopted two-factor authentication, where in addition to having a password, a code is sent to your phone or some other, you know, an, either an app or via text message, um, presumably to a phone that you own. It's not, again, it, on its own, not necessarily sufficient, but combined with a password that you know hopefully more secure, but it does mean extra steps every time you log in. So I think this is a hard problem in computing um, because it's not just the matter of figuring out what's the better way to run an authentication system, but also how do we secure all the software around that so that people can't get into that system and compromise it from, you know, from the inside. Um, and we've seen in in the U.S. also with, you know, payment stuff like credit card uh, situations like Target where their credit cards, you know, they get hacked. Um, and we've fortunately, you know, that's being in some cases used as a push to more secure systems like a chip and pin system. And maybe we need to look at something like that for, for, a you know, a phone. So many of us have phones these days. Is there a way that we can use additional devices to secure it in other ways, whether it be biometric or passcoding or two factor or what have you. But yeah, I think, I think this problem is really hard, and I would feel a lot better if I felt like people were working on it more. <laughs> but it always sounds like, oh, these things happen. Let's, uh, we're kind of what stuck you gonna with the do? System. What are you gonna do? Password's gonna get hacked. Brad, you got a solution for us? Let me know. <laughs> <laughs> Fix it. Fix well, it, Brad. <laughs> <laughs> no pressure. Uh, I actually agree 100% with pretty much everything you said. It's not so much a problem necessarily of passwords, all these hacks, it's the security systems of these businesses that are hold all your passwords. Uh, that said, I would love if the password would die because it's obvious that it's just not working out very well anymore since so many systems are so insecure. Um, I would love 
if you could switch to two-factor authentication that didn't involve a password in some way for, for uh, you know, these different kinds of software, like uh, various enterprise laptops, they use your phone. You got out, if, you, if your phone's not on you, the laptop won't boot up. Uh, with so many, you know, people already moving to two-factor authentication via text message, maybe there's something you could do with that, maybe with, uh, you know, a biometric thing like you're saying. As far as, you know, like what uh, Samsung and Apple are putting into their phones. Maybe some way to combine those in some way. I'm not sure. I'm not a, a coder or developer, so I'm not sure if that's possible or just crazy magic talk. Um, but as far as the actual passwords themselves are concerned at this point, I think it's obvious by, by now that you cannot reuse password to different sites. Um, that doesn't necessarily mean you have to use software, though. Um, Alex Waro. Uh, former PC World editor a couple years ago wrote a really interesting, helpful article about how he creates like a really complicated passphrase and then he mixes different things from the site into that code. So he's using the same base code every time, but the specifics of the site and what it's used for changes the details of this particular login that he uses for it. Uh, So, you know, it's like, you know, every good boy, every, you know, the fuck jumped over the lazy brown log or whatever. Uh, but then like the second word, the first sentence of the second word, the first letter of the second word is the first letter of the site that he's using, blah, 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 blah. And I've actually been recommending that to my friends and family, you know, my mother, my grandmother, you know, the people in their retirement community. And they've switched to that and it's actually, they've had no problem doing that. They, they're much more likely to use that than they are, would be to boot up something like LastPass or something like that. Nice. So... I think that's a good little tip you could use. Yeah. I, I've actually, with my, the sites that I've got that I have two-factor fa- authentication turned on, I actually have gone back to simpler passwords that are easier to type because I'm a little less worried about those because you'll also have to have the phone with the authentication. So it, it's kind of nice to go back to those. But otherwise, yeah, I'm mostly using one password now, and it's fine. It's it's ridiculous machine passwords. And then every now and then I'm asked for one, and I have to go look it up, and it's really annoying to type it in. But th- it's fine. It's fine. I hate passwords. We all hate passwords. Uh, hopefully it will get better. I don't know how that's going to happen. Serenity, you get the last topic. What do you think? I do. I do. I'm not going to talk about passwords. I'm actually going Ooh. to talk about a. Uh, there's been sort of a, a recent push in the last year to redefine photo sharing. You know, you've got Instagram as kind of the kingpin in this area, but you've also got things like Vine. It's like, oh, well, let's do video sharing. Uh, you've got things like Scene that wants to do 3D interactive objects that you can film with your phone or Front Back that takes like a selfie with a backseat with a normal photo um, and puts them together. Backseat. And then yep. – That's it. Backseat. Mm-hmm. Backseat. Sure. Oh, God. I, I hope that doesn't become a thing. Um, and then I tested an app uh, yesterday called Moju, um, which takes a tiny stop motion uh, stop motion video – sort of pseudo gif of your surroundings um and so there are all of these these varying uh image services competing for our time uh and it strikes me like i've i've played with most of these uh as i cover a lot of ios apps for for Macworld, and there are very few of them that capture my attention for more than a you know oh what a cute gimmick kind of way it's like I'm I'm actually semi using Moju regularly because I'm like this is actually kind of cool and it doesn't take a lot of extra time and it's not really, you know, I'm not checking it as an extra feed. I'm just like, oh, you know what? This would be really cool to do as an animation. Uh, but for other things like I, you know, I, I checked in with Vine probably every day for two weeks and then dropped off the face of the earth. I was just kind of like, eh, this 
there's not a really a good way to use this, right? Listening to video while you're watch while you're sitting on the bus doesn't exactly uh, work productively. So I was wondering if you guys have any services besides Instagram that you actually use regularly or have played with, and and if you think that this is a viable uh, a viable place for app developers to be playing in, is that do we need to reinvent the photo? I only have so much attention to go around for social networking, and I think that's what the problem is. A lot of these services kind of ape, you know, Twitter or Facebook in terms of, oh, man, you want to keep up with what your friends are doing, which is great. But at the same time, it's like, well, if I have to keep up with them on Twitter and Facebook and Instagram and Vine, at a certain point, I have to pick and choose. And for me, Twitter, you know, does enough for me to, like, keep in track with that and people post photos there. So I'm not super concerned about it. Um and I don't know yet. Yeah, there's just so many of these services are such a glut of them that it's hard for me to find something that really convinces me that this is going to be the new best thing. I mean, they're they're cool and they have a novelty aspect to them. I did try out this Moju the other day and it was kind of nifty. But at the same time, I, I can't really see myself sitting around making stop motion videos like every day. Right. Like it might be something I pull out every once in a while. Same thing with Vine. Like I'm not making Vines every day. Um, but I don't know. There's clearly an audience for them. These things exist and, you know, some of them do very well and some of them like Instagram gets sold for a billion dollars. So, uh, it's certainly a valid place for developers to work and to, to create apps. I just, for me, it doesn't really hold a lot of interest. I find them, you know, interesting for the first week or two. And then my attention kind of drops off because those niches in my, uh, you know, the time I have available to fill with those things is fairly limited. I agree with what both of you guys are saying. Uh, 99% of these uh, photo sharing apps that come out, eh, meh, whatever. I mean, it seems more like a feature than a standalone service, a lot of these things. And also, I hate the fact that, as Dan was saying, that pretty much every photo sharing app out there and photo editing app out there isn't just, uh, you know, photo editing or creating this cool little movie. It has that social network tacked on too, rather than just being, you know, like a standalone tool that you could do and then easily share for something on Facebook or Twitter. Um, pretty much on my phone, the only photo editing software that I use when I take pictures to tweak things sometimes is actually uh, the Google Plus photo editing capabilities because it comes installed on Android phones and you can just, you know, Open up your, you open up the app, you go to photos, and you can tweak things real quick. They actually have surprisingly powerful, you know, wide variety of tools. You can save it real quick. It'll save right to your phone. You can share it out of there, no problem. It doesn't have to be on the Google Plus network. And that's really all I need. I don't even mess around with the other one so much. I think apps are, uh, they're like switching lenses on a camera. They're, they're, I'm interested in apps that let me make interesting images, but um, I'm going to then share them on Facebook or Twitter and even Instagram. I will use Instagram to post things to Twitter or Facebook. And the reason I'm using Instagram is basically because I want to use their filters and get a certain look and it'll share on Instagram. But the social network on Instagram is kind of beside the point for me, honestly, in most cases. Well, I think that's the last of our four tech topics. So it's time for a little bonus topic. Woo, uh, bonus. Sometimes Yay, bonus I know, topics. well, very exciting. Sometimes we talk about you know, books or, or movies or TV shows. Today, I want to ask you guys about video games. I was just reading some video game news, and I saw a trailer this morning for Arkham Knight, which is the newest entry in the Batman Arkham series that's been coming out for the last few years, and I was really excited. So I want to know if, if there are any games in particular that you guys were looking forward to. Ren? Um... <laughs> Honestly, I don't play a lot of uh, a lot of video games. Uh, 
I or computer games or mobile games. Yeah, I I don't play a lot. I don't play a lot of games. Um, although I will say, um, I'm looking forward to getting to try out the new version of Mario Kart at some kind at some point because I love that game dearly, and uh, you know, I've heard varying uh, opinions on whether or not they've. They've ruined Mario Kart, or they've made the best one yet. Uh, but I'm I'm looking forward to playing that. It's always a good time. Dan, I don't look forward to games. I wait for people to I know like you to talk about a game and rave about it, and then I go play it. But, but that's my level. Is I'm waiting for the experts to uh, to rave about something, and then I'll go for it. I mean, just to give you a, a window on my world right now on my iPad, the game I'm playing the most is Flappy Golf which is great. It's from the people who make Super Stickman Golf. And the game I'm playing on my computer right now is Load Runner in emulation on an Apple II emulator, which is actually, that that game holds up. That's a real, my kids want to play that game. So that's cool. Wow. But, so I'm looking backward, not forward. Brad, save me. Come on. I know, you, I know you're a gamer. Yes, I have been playing Dark Souls 2, um, but I'm to the point where I'm ready to put that aside because it's kind of frustrating. Fortunately... Uh, just yesterday, two great games came out for the PC, uh, Wolfenstein, The New Order, oh, yeah. and Transistor. Uh, and I have them both in my Steam library. I'm just trying to figure out which one I need to download and actually start playing first. Wolfenstein's big budget, but Transistor just looks beautiful, and I think I'm going to ignore my family this weekend to play that. Oh, Dan, I let you down. I, I, I pre-ordered Destiny from Bungie. Oh, there you go. So there I am go. looking forward to Yay. Destiny. There you that, go. Look, whenever it comes out. Totally. Whenever it comes out. <laughs> whenever it comes out, I'll be there. <laughs> <laughs> well, excellent. Thank you for sharing that with me. And now I have some stuff to put on my list. Loadrunner, play it. It's good. Yeah. Apple II emulator. Back to the way I used <laughs> to play when I was a, when I was a kid. Um, well, I think we have been carefully watching the clock and that's literally all the time that we have. Brad Charkos, thank you for being here. Appreciate it. And Serenity Caldwell, thank you for joining us. Thank you, as always, for having me and, and the barking dog behind me. <laughs> and to all of you out there, thanks for listening. Remember, watch what you say. And keep watching the clock. Bye, everybody. Bye.